AgriTalk is brought to you by Case IH. Solutions for every challenge, equipment for every farm. Case IH, built by farmers. And by propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. And by Grounded. Spray smarter and improve herbicide performance with Grounded, a multifunctional adjuvant from Helena. Monday Classic has been picking up momentum during day two of the trade show. There is a buzz at this show that is hard to miss. Okay, corn was firm. We finally engaged in some of the short-covering rally, and the soy complex was mixed with beans holding the product market back. Cattle complex was lower, and lean hogs ended the day on the plus side of unchanged. Live from Houston, Texas, via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we'll speak with Brian Doherty from Total Farm Marketing by Stuart Peterson. Then it's Rich Nelson from Allendale, and later, Mitch Eviston from Maristem. Directly following the news, maybe Oliver Slope from Blue Line Futures. I'm <laughs> handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Flory. All right, Davis. Hey, thank you so much. Yeah, like I said, man, the buzz is happening here at Commodity Classic, dude. Mm-hmm. 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 Anything can I'm happen at Commodity to... Classic. Well, you know what? I'm not going to deny that. Anything can happen. There you Anything. go. Anything. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's uh, a big thank you. Big thank you to Maristam uh, for making uh, this afternoon's coverage from Commodity Classic possible. We certainly appreciate their efforts. MaristamAg.com. Check it out and learn more about what they've got going on at Maristem. Um, We're going to learn about what is happening at Maristem throughout the show today. Uh, but of course, we're going to Take a look at what's happening with the markets. We got Brian Doherty standing by. Uh, Oliver Slope just walked by. There you uh, go. We'll come on here in just a moment and uh, figure out what's going on in the markets today. So, and then Rich Nelson will be with us here before the show wraps up as well. So, a lot going on in today's show. How's things back in the Midwest? Everything good? Uh, you know what? The sun is out. The temperatures are slowly creeping back to the upside yeah. here. Uh, I think we're in good shape. Good shape. Good. You like it, don't you? I'm a fan. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, it has been overcast down here all day, but I tell you what, you wouldn't know it from being inside at the uh, convention center. Uh, the, The layout is huge. There's one of the displays. I mean, they're all awesome. You can spend all kinds of time at, at the, uh, at the booths and the, the lots. And I am going to call it a lot when I talk about an acre large booth here at the show. It is the, one acre large. Okay. The booth that mention, covers one full acre? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to mention exactly what it is, but let's just say it's full of green equipment. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Let's get to it, buddy. What you got in the news? Chip wheat futures were higher today with corn adding some light spillover support. World Weather Inc. says the recent prairie cold snap did little to damage winter wheat crops. The forecaster did note some damage thanks to the lack of snow cover. Russia says it is not interested in renewing the Black Sea grain deal as it has its own grain export capabilities. 
USDA reported wheat export sales of 327,000 metric tons for the weekend of February 22nd. Chip, that's up 40% from the previous week. July HRW wheat futures were four cents higher at 574 and one quarter. July SRW wheat up three quarters of one cent to 579 and a quarter. July spring wheat closed at 661 and three quarters, up a penny today, Chip. Yeah, the export sales, I mean, a big improvement from the previous week, but still not great. Uh, still not enough to really get the wheat market excited about some short covering. Well, nearby corn futures firmed amid corrective buying for the fourth consecutive session with notable weekly export sales lending support. USDA reported corn export sales of 1.082 million metric tons during the weekend of February 22nd. That was up 32% from the previous week. World Weather Inc. says dryness in Brazil has enabled swift safrina corn plantings and the crop will soon require moisture. May corn tested resistance of 432 but failed to end the session with mild gains. May corn futures were one cent higher, 429 and a half. July up a penny, 441 and one quarter. December corn futures closed at 463 and one quarter, unchanged on the day. I don't think I've ever seen us go from soybean harvest conditions to safrina crop planting conditions to safrina, safrina crop growing conditions mm. as quickly as we have this year. So it, it's it's going to be something that we need to watch very, very closely. Well, Chip, soybeans were all over the place in today's trade with soybean meal and oil posting gains. USDA reported soybean export sales of nearly 160,000 metric tons for the weekend of February 22nd. That's up from the previous week's marketing year low, but down substantially from the four-week average. By the end of the session, soybeans were under pressure but closed near the top end of the day's range. Initial resistance for May beans is at the 10-day moving average of 11.56. Today, May beans four and a half cents lower, 11.40 and three quarters. July beans fell four and one half to 11.51 and one quarter. Novi beans closed at 11.38 and three quarters, down two and three quarters today, Chip. Okay, I was busy doing a bunch of stuff between the shows today, but I got to mm -hmm. tell you, when I look at the close, beans were a dog. We'll talk to Oliver yeah. about that here in a moment. July cotton 151 points lower, 101.56. On your livestock's cash cattle trade is off to a very slow start this week, and fat cattle responded by sinking to a two-week low. Packers remain hesitant in raising cash bids again this week amid negative margins, while feedlots in no hurry to move cattle at lower prices. April fats 77 and one half cents lower, 185.35. June futures 95 cents lower, 181.22 and a half. April feeders down a buck 37 and one half to 253.72 and one half. And finally, on your snout side, lean hog futures were moderately higher in today's trade as the cash index continues to creep higher. April hogs 62 and a half cents higher, 86.62 and a half. The June contract up 65 cents to close at $100 and 20 cents. The increases in the cash index chip do, uh, they're sort of slowing down a little bit here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. As should be expected. I mean, yep. that was kind of um, uh, an impressive move that we had. Thanks, buddy. You bet. All right. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Future, sitting right next to me. How you doing, buddy? Chip, it is great to be here in person with you. It's been a heck of a week here in Houston so far, and uh, looking forward to rounding it out on a high note. Yeah, I'm telling you, how many times have you been asked the question? Where's has corn the low? Put, has corn put in a low? Uh, short term, I think that we can probably get a little bit of a pop from here. Seasonally yeah. speaking, I, I think there's still some uncertainty around there. The What we're going to plant for acres is a big one. South American weather is going to be a big one. But I think a lot of the attention is going to shift towards the United States, what we're going to plant and where the weather seems yeah. right now. Funds, obviously, 
you know, record net short. Everyone's been hammering on that. Everybody knows that. But we need a catalyst for them to get out. A few weeks ago, we were joking around. What's going to take to turn this market around? I, yeah. I joked around. Stop the selling. Yeah. It sounds as simple yeah. as that, but that's the reality of it. Stop the selling. And we have so far. Nice yeah. to see some some decent exports. Uh, soybeans, on the other hand, we haven't seen that. They say low prices cure low prices. The fact that we haven't seen the demand pick up from low prices is a little bit concerning here going yeah. forward. Yeah, we need the cure. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No doubt. Beans were a dog today. Beans were a dog. I think they probably continue to be a little bit of a dog. You know, okay. every little bit of a pop that we get, it just continues to get sold into. Uh, we There's a very well-defined trend line uh, going back several months. If we get out above there, potentially we get a little bit of short covering. Uh, but until then, I think the path of least resistance remains lower. And I also think that funds probably have a little bit more powder to add to the short side of their positions as well. Uh, everyone talks about the 2019 short position for corn and beans, as I had referenced. Well, in 2021, they expanded position limits as well. So there is a little bit of room there. I'm not saying that they're going to really hammer at home. I don't okay. think they, they will, but that's the possibility. Yep. Gotcha. All right. Little preview for tomorrow. You're going to stop by and have a conversation with us tomorrow afternoon, right? It's going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. It's the first time to be on for a full segment, man. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I am too. I am too. It'll be good stuff. Oliver Slope, Blue Line Futures. All right. Coming up next, not uh, not his first full segment. We got Brian Doherty from TFM coming up next here on Agritalk. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. The chickens have come home to roost. Find out whose fence they're perched on today on AgriTalk. And welcome back to AgriTalk in Houston, Texas at the Commodity Classic. Thank you so much to Maristem for making it possible for us to bring you coverage from, from Commodity Classic. We're getting set for a conversation with Brian Doherty from Total Form Marketing. First, though, let's go ahead and make time for this industry spotlight. John Prizer is uh, with Bain Specialty Agricultural Insurance Solutions. Insurance Solutions. Don, it's good to see you again, by the way. Also good to see you, Chip. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. 
you know what? We just need to jump right into this because we only got two minutes. You're working with Maristem on a replant options and, and coverage. Tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, it's not uncommon to offer a replant guarantee to a, a farmer looking to purchase a, a certain seed product. And uh, that is a balance sheet risk that the company has. So we write an insurance solution to protect that agribusiness like Maristem uh, with a replant to guarantee insurance coverage. So uh, and we also provide the full claim administration to make that an easy process and, uh, and uh, make a, uh, a full program uh, come complete uh, to support the uh, Maristem program and uh, their seed sales. Yeah. So it, this is automatic. This is part of the plan when you deal with Maristem? Yep. It's built right into their program. So uh, they're extending that replant guarantee to their customers so that when that event happens at uh, flooding, uh, drought, uh, they're required to replant that crop. Maristem is going to provide a free replacement product to that customer. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's it's kind of a, you know, I, I, it, it's never risk-free, right, Don? But it feels pretty risk-free to me. It is absolutely for that uh, customer who is purchasing a Maristem product to have the peace of mind of knowing that there's a replant guarantee there for them. Uh, in any given year, there's oftentimes uh, thousands, if not millions of uh, replants that yeah. occur. So uh, this isn't something that occasionally happens. It happens all the time. And so mm -hmm. it's a, a real financial benefit to farmers. Well, yeah, and it gives the farmer confidence. Go ahead and try a product that, like is offered by Maristem. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. Good to see you again, all Don. Right. Good seeing you, Jeff. All right. Don Preiser with Vane Specialty Agricultural Insurance Solutions. Okay. Let's talk what's going on in the markets. Brian Doherty. Total Farm Marketing, sitting right next to me. It's good to see you, my friend. Yes, sir. Great to be here, Chip. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that you're here um, and, and that we got together, Brian. It's, it, you know, I, I said it half jokingly with Oliver at the in the first segment, but the number one question that you've got to be getting is, have we put a low in this corn market, right? Sure. Yeah. It, it, well, because we got a couple of signals now. So we ended up with three sessions ago. Four sessions ago, we ended up with a reversal, which means the market went into new lows and finished the day higher. So you had bullish key reversal in the charts. That's a signal you want to look for if you're wanting to buy. Mm -hmm. um, and just the opposite when the market's high and you get a bearish key reversal. So we had that. We've had some follow through buying, but we kind of got through this period of these deliveries against the March okay. corn basis contracts. So well, that's the other big topic here. So right now, you know, you got to think about it from the perspective of, well, what are farmers who intended not to deliver now or are not delivering at all right now, all of a sudden you're going to find there's not a lot of corn that's going to probably hit the pipeline really quickly here. So you're going to see some end user buying and you're going to see that bid up a little bit. Has it changed the trend? I don't want to go out on a limb and say that. So so I, I just want to make this kind of visual. We look at things, you and I were talking about something kind of really close, really nearby is the low end. We're talking about something kind of tight. If we kind of zoom up to the to the satellite view and take a look at things, big supply, tepid demand, exports, buyers only buy what they need. Every purchase a buyer bought in the last three months, he's been told that was a mistake. You just wait, it yep, goes down. Yep, yep. The speculator has been selling. That's been a winner. The farmer has it. Interest rates are higher. The end user is going to say, I'm going to let you hold this for me until I need yeah. it. So, so are we to that 
that tipping point where that's changing. And the reality is the market has now five months of usage behind it, and it has to produce the second crop corn out of Safrina. It's got to produce northern hemisphere corn, of which two-thirds of the world supply comes from. So from the satellite view, we're pretty cheap. It's an end-user bargain. I don't want to say the low is in, but any perceived disruption or warmer than normal temperatures or things, it's not going to take long for the fund money to shift gears quickly. And that coin that has the buyer one side and, and the others on the other flips, and now the buyers are buying, speculators are exiting or buying, and the farmer is in the field and not selling and delivering corn. Right. Okay. Well, you covered a lot of ground Big there picture. in a short period of time, Brian. One one thing that I want people to understand, and I, I mentioned it yesterday, I think it was yesterday or whenever, there's been a lot of talk about the speculatives, the speculators role, the funds role in what is going on in this market. People need to remember that there was a negative story in corn in particular that has been being factored into prices for a very long time. Negative fundamentals, not just what the funds are doing. The funds have been a story late in this process. Exactly. And turning those sellers into losers is kind of step one, isn't it? Yeah, especially the late, late comers, right? So they, yes. don't, they don't have the house money, so to speak, right. to work with. So they may be quick to pull the trigger and that can get things started. So to your point, though, this kind of picture... And we've seen it before. This isn't our first rodeo scene, yep. 7 and $8 corn, and then the, the, the hangover and the headache and high prices cure high prices. We're now at a level where low prices will cure low prices. It doesn't happen overnight, but corn is a bargain. And my definition of a bargain is if you can buy something for less than it costs to produce it, that's a bargain. That's a bargain. So the end user has a bargain in front of them. They just need to get at it. And the speculator, as soon as they sense that is going to happen, I think they turn the corner pretty quick. Now, what has to happen? The market moves a lot on perception. So we have to perceive something is going to take that big carryout number instead of 2-2 two, two or somewhere in that window, maybe shrink it. And from year to year, if you want kind of a long-term historical that has relevance, watch the change in carryout from year to year to year. And the price direction is almost always inverse. Say and that again. The price direction is always inverse. So as carryout yep. increases... Yep. Prices decrease. Right. Car carry out, remember, is that number at the end of the yep. marketing year, the pile of corn left over, yep. and it factors everything in it. Which become the beginning stocks for the next marketing year. Correct. The supply side cushion. Right. I'm concerned that for corn, we're starting to snowball. And that it just becomes, it, it, it comes to the point that you're going to need a crop problem to fix it. Well, I think we're there. Okay. Uh, we, we, we get perceived scares and you might rally 25 or 50 cents, but the yep. change into a bull market or a higher level of support, we need to bring that expected supply down, that carryover supply down. And really, I mean, it's it's no no judgment. It's just the way things panned yeah. out. The crop yielded better. In November, we saw an increase from the USDA and yield. And again in January. So, yeah. so the crop got bigger into the new year when typically that's not a factor. The crops, sometimes small crops get smaller. We didn't see that at all this year. It was a very different year for sure. Right. Right. Okay. What's your thoughts on new crop on 24 crop corn and beans? Okay. Well, let's start with corn. So you got these corn, let's say around the 460 level. Okay. Okay. So, so the, I'm going to say we're in a paradigm shift, which means if you look at a long-term corn chart, we saw that, that, this level and higher was pretty good support. 
we've now taken the carryout back to levels that we're probably at resistance points much above where we are now. So if the market begins to show some strength, do your homework and see what's really driving it. But be, be sure and sell into the rally at least on 25, 35, 40%. Hope to be wrong. Beans, that's another tough road. We, we're looking at South America right now. A lot more swing vote out of South America. Second crop, safrina corn, really important. Yeah. So a lot of things in front of the market. But I, I think given the size of the carryouts, you have to be the mindset to be more defensive sooner on the generalized assumption we have average crop or better. And then if we don't, how do you cover those early sales? So think really strategic about how you okay. want to go about it. Okay. You know, look to sell the rallies in years past. A rally of new crop corn in the spring might be 70, 80, 90 cents. Do you expect something like that? Or do you have to scale back your thoughts on a rally? I, I've generally, this is my own rule of thumb. I go to tip a 10 to 15% increase in value from wherever we think the low is in. So if we think we've got cents. a 450 low, 45 cents. 45 so, cents. And it puts you right up to a gap area on December corn at 502 left in January after the beginning of the new year. It's amazing so, how that stuff works out. Right. So it's there. And, and well, I think, I think people, for some reason, their, their mindset starts to change when you see a 10 to 15% change in anything, especially yeah. increase in value. Right? Yep. I'm going to do it to you. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Tell me about milk. Oh, no, no problem at all. Uh, it's kind of the same boat. It's a market that from my big picture perspective, it, it kind of caps itself at production because there's only so much capacity, yeah. right? And so it's a little bit more dependent on exports. Those haven't been robust. You got a tepid China economy. So we have some up potential, but we haven't reduced the herd enough. I know the last production report was a little bit supportive. The market responded to it. But I don't yeah. think we're turning into a bull market. It has to come from demand in this You're environment. Right. right. And and demand right. is a little tepid. You're the best. Thanks, buddy. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Brian Doherty, Total Farm Marketing. We've got Rich Nelson, Hallandale, next. Council. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes. For July, hardbread Ritter wheat futures were four cents higher at 574 and one quarter. July SRW wheat gained three quarters of one cent to 579 and one quarter. March corn futures, one cent higher, 429 and one half. December corn futures closed at 463 and one quarter. That's unchanged on the day. May soybean futures, four and one half cents lower at one, uh, excuse me, 1140 and three quarters. November beans closed at 1138 and three quarters. That's down two and three quarters cents on the day. July cotton, 151 points lower, 101.56. On your livestocks, April fat cattle, 77 and one half cents lower, 185.35. April feeders down a buck 37 and one half to 253.72 and a half. And April lean hogs, 62 and a half cents higher, 86.62 and a half. TryProFarmer.com. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds. Protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. My mom's got a new case IH tractor and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. Sand the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. 
shift like a race car, steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. We've cleared the schedule for you. Give us a call at 855-482-5524 and join the conversation. All right, we're going to keep the fun going down here at Commodity Classic. Thank you for joining us this afternoon. Big thank you to Maristem for sponsoring AgriTalk at Commodity Classic. Uh, be sure to check them out, www.maristemag.com. You know what makes this so much fun is I've got Rich Nelson from Allendale sitting right next to me. How are you, man? I'm doing fantastic. And certainly uh, to sit next to you here on, on this uh, very great, great uh, discussion point here for us. I think this is fantastic. Thanks for inviting oh, me here. No, I'm glad that you could do it. You know, it, it it's one thing to be to have the conversations over the phone, which I greatly appreciate, Rich. Yes, yes. But to be able to do it face to face, it's it's a lot of fun, and and uh, you know I've been a big fan of your work over the years, and it's uh, it it is absolutely a pleasure to get you here in in person, man. Thank you much. I sure appreciate that. Thanks, you Jim. bet. You bet. Okay, with Brian, we spent some time talking about what's going on in the corn market. I want to talk about what the the soy complex. You know, I I felt so good looking at what was going on in the products today. And then you look over at beans and they just really didn't want to participate. What was going on? That's a great point here. So new contract lows, market not really responding, not doing what corn is doing. Doing, We've got the open interest decline now, what, almost 100,000 contracts out of open interest. So there is liquidation. But certainly the discussion about deliveries today may be a little heavier than people are going to okay. see. I think that's certainly a big issue for the very short term on this market here. Rich, you buy big deliveries. Don't you? <laughs> you certainly do. And also, when you look at the names of cars, who's accepting deliveries yeah. is a big deal as well. Yeah. And discussion about uh, about uh, the name that we saw here on today's discussion, a lot of people might suggest this might be a short-term game, and perhaps this might be considered a value in the long term here. Okay. All right. You got to let some of the games play out when you get into deliveries, when 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 they do come in bigger than expected. You certainly do. And, and keep in mind here, we're always looking at market performance and how a market is responding to positive or negative information, which is more important than the news flow itself. And certainly for today's discussion, at least, this was not a winner just yet here for soybeans. Okay. So one of my, what, one of my primary roles during the delivery period when I was on the floor of the Chicago Board of Trade, yeah. 1988 to 1991, was to you know report the deliveries on a regular basis. It, over time, Rich, I got the feeling that it was more noise than it was re, a real factor. Is it noise or is it something that we really matters? I agree that sometimes it is important. I think in this specific case, when we're kind of saying, well, we've we've established kind of some fundamental value, we've already yeah. declined yeah. enough to factor in a lot of these 
valid negative issues for the soybean market. I think in this case, this might be a different scenario. Well, I'm not saying we're bottoming yet, but it might be something to look at here. Okay. All right. I've not seen a range of crop size estimates on Brazil this late in the year, as as wide as it is. I mean, it's what, 20 million metric tons from the mid 30s to the mid 50, 150 million metric tons. Um, It's hard for the market to kind of deal with that kind of uncertainty, isn't it? It is. And the other problem on top of this is we know from very clear history, the USA is going to slow walk this number down. It's going to take them another two or three months to bring their 156 million ton estimate all the way down to 147, 149. So we're not going to get accurate information for USDA off the bat here just yet. Where do you think this, I'm going to ask you, where do you think it ends up? I'm at 148. 148. 148. I think that's a very fair number, but we're not going to see USDA show this number maybe till April, maybe till May. Okay. Is 148 baked into the market right now? In some respects, it is. But keep in mind, as far as general price levels, we can argue for a good moderate rebound into spring, but we cannot say that the long-term new crop issue is fully priced in yet. We might have still further lower prices by harvest. They're harvesting that crop down there at a breakneck pace, aren't they? Yes, yes. What That's got to have an impact. I mean, it just increases the hedge requirement coming out of South America, and they do it in the U.S. market, right? And that's the big, that's the big point for us right now. And especially since they, they crossed over that 40% harvested threshold earlier this week, I think it's a clear discussion for us that how we kind of price this in for what the U.S. market is looking for. And I think that's a, a clear issue we'll be discussing in these next few weeks ahead here. Yeah. When when do we settle on the size of the supply out of South America? When do you think it happens? I think by March, April. I think that's real, real realistic. If not, actually, okay. in most cases, by this point. So, so by the time we get the prospective planning's report? I think that's very reasonable. So USA okay. is not going to give us what we want to see here in two weeks' time. We'll have this discussion about U.S. acreage. And certainly as we go into April, this really turns back into a U.S. story from here on out. Okay. Well, let's make it a U.S. story right now. You got your survey getting underway for acres, right? We do. So we're almost one week done for our two-week-long uh, annual survey. We'll have estimates out on the 13th, so two weeks ahead of USDA. Uh, our, our, our main question, though, is really are we going to change these acres enough to really change corn pricing or, in this case, soybean pricing? Early results, we're not seeing the change we really want to see, though. I'll, I'll make that very clear. Okay, we're not seeing the change. We're not seeing the the... The drop in corn acres? We're not seeing the drop in corn acres, the size that we need. And also, there's no discussion among our producers about any lower acres as a, as a group, even in the fringe areas. So we're not yet convincing them that things are pain, uh, seeing enough pain on that. Oh, series. The, the, there, the combination of acres, yeah. the 178.5 to yes. 179. I'm hearing more and more that we got to take a million and a half off of that number. It goes to specialty crops. It goes to cotton. That kind of thing. Is that your gut? We need to see something. We need probably a one to three million acre total to find, which won't be seen probably until next spring, next year's spring. I hate supply side markets, Rich. Yeah. I, I, I do. They're they're tough to figure. When it's a demand market, yeah, it can take it can take time for the market to realize that the demand is there and that it's showing up and that it's having an impact on your on on stocks but the supply side stuff it just 
it, it, it's a hangover waiting to happen. It is. And the other problem is the pricing in these issues. It, these years, it takes a long, ugly, slow process. And we know from history, there are reasonable rebounds into spring, but they're not strong rallies which last. So our opportunities to market in these type of high supply type markets relatively limited and certainly a more challenging environment for us. Okay. 92 million on corn. Is that possible? I think our discussion for the corn side, let's take off one to 3 million acres. I think it's very reasonable. My number is minus three. Before our survey, I'm at minus three. It's not enough for to really change that balance sheet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Is it plus three on beans then? I'm at plus four for soybeans. Okay. And the question is, uh, as far as uh, cotton and spring wheat, that kind of mixes up the, uh, the the rest of the numbers here. Yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. Plus four, you know, the, the, the story on corn has been dug on it. We got this, the, the ending stock slash beginning stocks supply side cushion on corn that's becoming an issue. But we go a year with a big, big bean crop. Yeah. And it, it starts to snowball on us, doesn't it? It does. And, and the question is, we're all kind of waiting for is, are we hitting demand? Are we hitting demand at this point? So I think that's really the big issue we're kind of looking for, which may take some time. Keep in mind, the crush story is really not going to be a right now story. It's going to be a two to six months time story, which is still waiting for us in the future here. No doubt about that. There it is, that demand realizing market. Yes, yes. When we, when we realize that there's another 300, 400 million bushels of beans that are going to be crushed in the U.S., I, it's got to change attitudes, doesn't it? It does. And the issue is, does that realization come before summer or after summer? And I'm a little concerned that it might be a, let's get our summer weather risk story kind of completed. We'll have our down move quick and early harvest low, and then we'll have that, that story realized. Okay. So I'm a little concerned about that long-term picture here. All right. Yep. But I like that that outlook. That, that, uh, that does make sense to me. Is there anything going on in the wheat market that can change attitudes there. <laughs> you know, as far as the wheat market, I don't think so in the short term. Yeah. We still have Russia very confidently exporting surprising numbers for January, surprising numbers for February, these estimates. So I'm still a little concerned that the non-US story for wheat has not changed here just yet. And the headlines out of Ukraine, it, the market was so sensitive for so long. But evidently, once you get into the third year of an invasion, Rich, the, the, the sensitivity wears off. It does. And like the market was looking for, are we fundamentally stopping exports? And once they realized that was not the story, I think we, we have this long-term supply uh, overage type of story, which is not getting fixed here just yet. Maybe in a year, year and a half, but not just yet here. Right, right. You impressed with what's happening in cotton? Very, very impressed. And I think for us on the grain side, we want to see if this does translate into strong acreage. You know, we're determining the, the insurance price here right now. The question is, are we going to see that push into acreage this year for cotton? Yeah. Yeah. 2.8 uh, million bales is not a lot of carryover. But here we are. The idea is at 10.2 to 10.5 million acres. Yeah. Is that kind of your thoughts? It is. And, okay. and for perspective for you guys uh, who are listening, 2.8, we were just 4.3 just two years ago. Right. So we've taken a significant decline out of here. Let's see if we can get maybe 1 million acre this year into, into cotton. I, I'm not sure about that with a high lot of uh, confidence yet, though. But boy, the way that the acres are moving around. And then we got to watch North Dakota and what's going to happen with some of the specialty crops, whether they're going to an oil seed, a bean, or 
or yes. or feed grain, right? Yes, and that's always a big question, and we really don't get those strong answers until two months from now, even. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, real quick, what is the the number one question that you're getting from growers down here? Well, beyond do we have a, a bottom or yeah. what's the acreage situation? The main question is, what am I doing with old crop? Yeah, I, I've got I, I, I and all my neighbors have plenty of old crop. What do we do? And our answer to this one is very clear. Uh, in large supply years, you do not have a basis push past March. So moving that cash drain now, free ownership uh, past yeah. yeah, you know, if if we get some kind of a basis push in this market this year, there's a lot of answers that we need that we're going to be needing on the supply yes. side. Yeah, dude, it was great to see you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right, Rich Nelson with Alan Dale. We are live at the Maristem booth. We're going to learn more about Maristem from CEO Mitch Eviston next. Go on the offensive against weeds with Antares Complete from Helena. Antares Complete eliminates early weed competition with long-lasting residual control of broadleaf weeds and grasses. With a balanced premix of three herbicides, Antares Complete combats herbicide resistance and helps soybeans achieve a faster, more vigorous start to the season. Take a tactical first strike against weeds and protect your soybeans early with Antares Complete. Always follow label instructions and check registration before use. Contact your Helena representative to learn more. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. My mom's got a new case IH tractor, and it can do it all. Bail hay all day. See in the dark with its powerful LED lights. Hook up all the implements. Ship like a race car? Steer with ease. And it can also cool my juice box. Yeah, her Case IH tractor can do everything she needs it to. Looking for a tractor that can do it all? Check out CaseIH.com. In the morning, you're coffeeed up and you're thinking... In the afternoon, you've calmed down, but you're still thinking. We're here all day. Agritalk. All right, let's wrap up our day two coverage from Commodity Classic. Welcome back. I'm your host, Chip Flory. Big thank you to Maristem for sponsoring Agritalk here at Commodity Classic. www.maristemag.com. And with that in mind, let's make time for this industry spotlight. Joining us for that is Mitch Eviston. He is the CEO of Maristem. Mitch, it is great to see you again. How are you? Chip, it's always good to see you. I'm wonderful, thanks. Good, good, good. Good show? Wonderful show. What makes it? What makes it such a good show? The excitement with the farmers. Uh, When farmers come in and they get excited about the new innovation from Maristem, you got to get excited about it. Right, right. Okay. So I would imagine when they look at all the offerings from Maristem that the biocapsule is got to be something and the technology around that is something that they focus in on, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's clearly our flagship. All right, tell us about it. Well, the bio, 
The biocapsule and the hopper throttle system come out of the need for keeping biologicals alive. Yep. As we started looking at this landscape and testing products, we found that it was nearly impossible through seed treatment and starter programs to keep biology active to the point of application. They were dying prematurely, kind of like a soybean. If you put an inoculant on it in November, it's going to be dead come plant. Right. So we solved for the issue of keeping the product alive. And the way we've done that is we house the unique biological consortium in capsules that are sealed, totally protected from the outside environment. There's nothing that can kill this biology uh, while it's housed in these capsules. Gotcha. And since nearly every farmer uses talc graphite, what we've done was we took these biocapsules and we created a seed fluency system yep. that's made of talc, graphite, zinc, iron, and manganese. Yep. The fluency on this product is exceptional. And what we do is when the farmer is ready to put seed in their planter, they release these capsules into a carrier made mm -hmm. of zinc, iron, manganese, and talc graphite. At that same, as soon as they release them, you don't release the biology until you're putting seed in the planter. Right. You've got about seven days once those that biology hits that carrier system before the biology croaks. Yeah. It will die after about seven days. Uh, the carrier dehydrates the microbes. Yeah. Okay. And they go. But as soon as these microbes uh, are out of the talc graphite and hit the soil, it's game on. Right. Uh, so the big breakthrough with Revline Hopper Throttle and the biocapsule is the ability to deliver biologicals alive in the furrow. And that it, delivering that, that biological live is what you're looking for on the plant with the general plant health. I, I mean, it, it, unless you deliver a viable product, it's not going to do what it's supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Putting it in position, that's the number one goal. Putting it in position in the condition that it needs to be, that's the number one goal, right? Right. You got to get it there alive or it's not going to work for you. Right. Right. Exactly. What else is going on in Maristan? What is, boy, what metal is Metal axle. What is well, it? Metal axle is a seed treatment that probably every soybean farmer on this show has used in the past. It's okay. sold under lots of liquid seed treatment brands. It's really been the industry gold standard for disease fungicide control. Uh, most farmers buy their liquid seed treatment, the active ingredient in the fungicide on, it's still about 50% of the market, about half the market's still using okay. metal axle. Metal axle today is applied with a, the uh, liquid system. Okay. So the metal axles mixed up with colorants and polymers and then sprayed onto the soybean seed. Yep. What we've done is we've taken a dry formulation of metal axle, same active ingredient you've been using for years for disease control. Yeah. And instead of delivering it through liquid, you can now buy it through our biocapsule. So what it allows you to do is it allows you to skip the treater. And now your treater is your planter box because when you put the talc graphite into your planter box with your seed, at that point, you're putting your seed treatment on 
And the real interesting thing about this product is we were studying it. When you deliver this product through our carrier system versus a liquid polymer system, you get 10 times more active ingredient on the seed. So you get a 10x uptake of whatever it is, whether you're putting an SDS product on, you're putting a cyst product on, a fungicide, an insecticide, your contact with the seed goes up 10 times. So, I mean, you're talking about changing the way, big time, changing the way that the product is delivered to the seed in in a more efficient way. And dealing with the capsules at with the planter just makes that pass that much more important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real game changer. Yeah, it really is. A, it's a way to open up new technology mm-hmm. because what we'll launch through these biocapsules are new biocontrols. They're EPA-registered products. There's a biofungicide in one of the capsules, and there's a synthetic fungicide, metal axle. The biological fungicide, we pair that with the synthetic. Okay. We take the two, we put them together, and we've really got a rock star program for the farmer. It allows them to take cost out of production, and it's a lot more convenient than dealing with sticky beans. Okay, you just said a convenient ease of use. It's right in, that's huge with these capsules. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, very cool, very cool. Mitch, enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you again so much for your sponsorship and allow us to bring coverage from, from Commodity Classic. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Chip. All appreciate right. it. You bet. That is Mitch Eviston. He is the CEO of Maristem. Davis, that is wrapping up day two of our coverage from Commodity Classic. Did we miss anything? Um, You know, about half and half uh, above and below normal temperatures expected to start the western edge of the Corn Belt and eastward from there. Above normal temperatures expected pretty much every every place except extreme far northwest. uh, Above normal precipitation expected six to ten day there. That's it. Gotcha. Good stuff. Hey, stick with us. Thank you so much. Thanks to Maristem again. www.maristemag.com. Tomorrow morning, we are going to be right back on the trade show floor, back at USB, and diving into all things soy.